0: welcome to the thought leader podcast i'm dr ken and i'm randy baker and on the thought leader podcast we search the world for interesting and fascinating and sometimes remarkably smart guests who are going to challenge the way you think they're going to inform you of things that you may not have thought about, and they're going to ignite your imagination as we discuss all sorts of topics. All right, without further ado,
1: I'd love to almost just ask you about your name. I'm sure this has happened your whole life, but tell us how to pronounce it and where it came from and all the good things about it.
2: Well, it is pronounced chicky, and it has been my name virtually since I was born, although it was not my birth name. I am the third of three girls, and my mother's story was that she had used up all of her favorite names with my two older sisters. So when <laughs> you she, gotta, you gotta tell <laughs> us what those
1: are uh, yeah.
2: Kath, Kathleen, Anne, and Elizabeth Christine. And so I was named Dorothy Jean, and my father had a a, uh, sister. He was born in Brazil, and she died when she was a year old. Uh And so, like, being named after a dead sister just... You know, that that wouldn't have been a great story. But my mother was a music teacher and she started singing to me right after I was born uh, a song called Chickory Chick Chilla Chilla, which was recorded by the Andrews sisters in the late 40s. And it was just, you know, a silly ditty. Right. But when she was done with the song, she would say chicky 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 and then it was my chicky girl and then it was just chicky. And I had it legally changed when I was 17.
1: Wow. Wow. That's a cool story.
2: Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a rebel from the get go. So it really was perfect for me. And it has, you know, it's funny, uh, Randy, because it is always challenging for men of my generation, right? Because Chicky was, you know, something that perhaps wasn't a positive thing to say. Mm -hmm. Throughout my career, it has really worked in my favor because people remember me. When I got married, I didn't have to hyphenate my, you know, old last name and my new last name, because uh, right. Chickie went right with, with me.
0: Yeah, it's always good to have a memorable name. Um,
2: <laughs> it is. Well, and especially now with social media, because if, mm-hmm. you know, if your name is John Smith on LinkedIn, you're screwed, right? You, ha- you <laughs> have to, like, be John Z. Smith or something, right? Make up a middle name,
1: yeah, yeah, that's true. I love that story. And it makes me want to ask more about kind of your origins. How did so? Did you also inherit a little bit of the attitude that went along with that name?
2: Well, you know, it's funny. I just started writing my first book about me. I, I had resisted doing that, but I'm only doing it actually for my family. And I had bought my sister both of my sisters, this book program, and every week it sends you a story, right? And, or, or a title uh, of a story and asks you to write something about your life that relates to that. And so I just got finished writing the one about, does your family have anything about history with a capital H? And so I wrote the story of my grandmother. And again, all of my grandparents were missionaries. So I'm the only one born in the United States in my family. And my dad's parents were missionaries in uh, Brazil, in southern Brazil. And my mother's parents were missionaries in uh, Pyongyang, North Korea. And anyway, the story of my, my grandmother, who I never met, she died the year that I was born. I think after the loss of Dorothy, which you know I, I haven't exactly correlated that, she asked her husband if she could go see the wife of the president of Brazil, who, by the way, was a brutal dictator, right? If if your wife asked you, hey, can I go see the brutal dictator's wife? You might say no also. But she went ahead and went. And the story I heard from my mother was that she went by horseback and like camped outside of the palace. Well, I heard another version of the story that she actually took the train and, you know, went into the ante room of of this woman's uh, offices and just stayed until they would see her. But I think I got her spirit. Right. That rebellious spirit that even if my husband didn't want me to go see the brutal dictator's wife, I would have gone anyway. And what she went to do was to get approval, to get funding, to uh, have better prenatal care. Right. And after having just lost a baby. Right. Right. You know, that, that's probably why she did it and why she felt so passionate about it. So passion, you know, in what you believe in, being able to raise money. I didn't realize that it started back in 1940 or whenever it was she went uh, on that trip.
0: So that, I, that's, a, that's a fabulous story and I really love it. Is there a connection between that story and the way you invest in your own business or, or perhaps other businesses?
2: Well, I think there is, Randy, uh, and, and it's funny because I, I feel like I'm I'm discovering that, and every time that I have a, a time in my life where I feel like I need to take a pause, and of course, this last year has been been a, a big pause. For most business people, and especially for those of us who have invested in technology companies that have to do with the travel and events industry, right? This was not a great year, but it, it caused me to stop. And one of the things that I did was I, I went back and I read my book that I had written, uh, The Game Changer, which you can see on the wall behind me if, if you're looking at the video. So the story is all about how important passion is. To what you're doing and if you don't feel passionate about it i don't know how anybody can ever raise money right if there isn't a passionate personal story behind it and the story about my company uh and i run a tech company called solutions and the story that led up to that was my niece who at the time was 15 was on vacation in Wyoming and decided to ride on an ATV, right? She was just learning how to drive. Unfortunately, the ATV didn't cooperate and it flipped over and nearly severed her arm. And she was airlifted to Montana and none of us lived in Montana. And so I got the phone call as the youngest uh, of the three siblings because I'm the one in the travel industry. And so they said, you know, you find a hotel, we'll all get there and so i went about finding a hotel knowing that we needed to be nearby the hospital and not realizing how difficult that was going to be anyway fast forward her surgery was successful they saved her arm she's fine i come home from that trip and i say to my husband i've got to fix this this happens every day people get a phone call they need to have a hotel nearby something And there's no really good way to do that. And you would say, oh, well, yeah, you can do that on Google. Well, just give it a try. Just see how many clicks. It's something like 12 or 14 clicks to get through to where you could even know that information. So I came home and built the hotels nearby hospitals. And that was the foundational technology to our current product, which is called Trip Proximity. So the answer to your question, Randy, is the answer is passion. You must have passion. My grandmother had that passion, was willing to go see the wife of a brutal dictator to ask for money. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's like the best fundraising story I had ever heard in my whole
0: life. <laughs> and the other part of that is she had to actually go and ask. If you don't, Yes. If you don't ask for money, you're not going to get it.
2: Well, exactly. And she was in Curitiba, which is down in the south. And so, you know, this is, again, back in the 30s or 40s, and travel – right, to Rio, which is where the palace was, you know, couldn't have been an easy thing. Plus, they Mm -hmm. didn't have a boatload of money. I mean, they were missionaries after all.
0: Yeah, interesting.
2: But you're right. If you don't go and if you don't ask, you won't get. And so that is really where I am right now is uh, I went through the fundraising process just with friends and family. And now we really need to raise money externally. And so I'm ramping my team back up you know, putting together and and trying to find people that I can instill that passion in, so that they can also be passionate about about what we have built.
1: So I love the word uh, passion uh, in some ways because to me it signifies everything and nothing. So it's uh, it's one of those words that it's vanilla, which I I love vanilla, but it it doesn't signify what it signifies well enough. So I'm curious to kind of dig deeper. The level of passion that requires you to go ask a dictator's wife for money, the level of passion that it requires to say, I got to fix this, right? That was right. that phrase that you're like, I got to fix this. I got, right. that's the key to every great business. I got to fix right. this. And then how do you do it? So, so I'm curious if we go deeper than the word passion, what is it that you're actually looking for in the companies that you, you want to support?
2: Well, that's a great question, Ken. And, and it really is two things. So, you know, the beautiful thing about vanilla, and I think of ice cream, right, of course, is that you can add things to it. You know, you can add uh, chocolate chips, or you can add nuts or whatever, uh, to make it into something more. I don't think about passion as being vanilla, but I, I can see, you know, your perspective. But what I, the flavors that I add are, are really two. One, is innovation, because I am passionate about really eradicating the world of status quo. And the other interesting component of that is you can be passionate about something and and not have the tools to do anything about it. Right. I was gifted. Right. in how I was created to see problem and solution in the same frame. And I didn't realize until much later in life that most people don't see it that way. They see a problem and then there's kind of a serial process of, you know, if this, then that. I don't see it that way. I see problem and maybe five solutions, right? And then you go about seeing which one is best, but there's no delay for me. So I actually have the wherewithal to solve the problem, which is why I named my company Solutions, by the way. But the second thing is the other piece of the passion came about 10 years ago when my last startup had just shut down. And that's a story for another day and usually over a big bottle of wine. But I really realized that if I couldn't make a long-term difference, that I really, that that's really what was driving me. I wanted to leave a legacy. And, and again, that's another word that means everything and nothing, Right. Uh, cuz to some people leaving a legacy is making sure that their grandkids can go to private school. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making a long-term difference in the lives of you know, cities, towns, villages, you know, really changing things in a big way.
1: And you talked about the the little L legacy in a beautiful way too, which is that that book for your family. That's a that's a beautiful kind of that mm-hmm. small L. So, what I'd love to dive in on a little bit is I'm curious what your kind of business model is for yourself. So as the as the core to all of those other projects, to making a difference, everything else, what is your core business model?
2: <laughs> well, I'm really glad you asked that, because that is actually key to the differentiation that I'm creating in my company. So... Uh, anybody can build a travel booking engine that finds a hotel nearby something else, right? That That's not the secret sauce. The secret sauce is that with every single hotel booking that is made, we donate 10% of our revenue stream to the charity of choice of our client. So if they care about feeding the hungry, right, they might choose to give money to Feeding America. If they don't have a cause that they are passionate about, we let them pick a category that they're passionate about. And we use a relationship that we have with an organization called B1G1. And they have this really great micro giving platform. So let's say we're going to be giving 75 cents out of of a hotel room booking to something. We can actually give clean sheets to uh, an orphan in India. Right, so the correlation between, I just slept in this great bed at the Omni Hotel, and now uh, an Indian orphan has clean sheets, is a tangible thing that we can actually show names and faces of that impact. So it's no longer vanilla, it's no longer amorphous. It is actually very, very specific.
0: Now, Tom's shoes have been very successful at that sort of cause yes. marketing as a, as a really great example. Maybe I haven't looked through your website enough, but I'm not seeing that promoted. Is this a, is this a missed opportunity?
2: We have actually been very quiet since the pandemic came along because we we actually made a choice to pause the company for a bit. Uh, our product is called Traveling to Give, and we uh, are actually just ramping back up. Okay. Um, the, the core product is called Trip Proximity, which ties back to the, uh, the Hotels by Hospitals example. But Randy, uh, one of the things I want to point out, uh, because you were asking also about investment decisions, we are actually looking for investors that they themselves are purpose-driven, right? Because if they have that passion, then our passion will connect with them.
1: So I have a, I have a really interesting... We have to close up pretty quick. We love short and quick interviews. Um right. Chicky. Chicky. We love. I, I can speak for both of us. We love this sort of the passion that you are giving off, and the mm-hmm. and the wonderful vanilla of that. Because obviously, mm-hmm. it's going to combine with strawberry and make it creamier. So the the idea that you can help others um, is great. What I'm thinking, what I'm seeing, really immediately, is the beauty of your story. And I, I see the next level of your business for the 2020s uh, and the 2030s as connecting to probably a younger demographic than you might have thought. Uh, mm-hmm. But it has to be done, in my, in my opinion, uh, in a different way. So kind of losing the business suit, pictures, and things like that, even losing any of the traditional sensibilities, and kind of researching and watching TikTok for a month absorbing the way that young people uh, work and then finding Mm -hmm. a few influencers who are willing to work for very little but they'll they'll love to connect with your model and kind of get back into gear with with young people to Mm -hmm. up to maybe 40s but influencers who are just they want to travel all they need is a budget of a few hundred bucks and go from hotel to hotel and place to place if you're able to tap into those folks, uh, this could be a very interesting mm-hmm. model, but you got to act quick because the, everything's going to roar back into place in the next couple months.
2: Well, absolutely. And there is so much pent up demand for travel. You're absolutely right. Now, we're not a business to consumer platform, so consumers don't choose to use our product. We actually are a plug in into enterprise platforms, CRM, mm-hmm. calendaring contact management, the platforms and tools that people use every day where our product will just be the ubiquitous thing like a Google map, only it will be the traveling to give tool. We actually have even built, we haven't released it yet, but a, a way to trip enable the browser. So no matter what you've just searched for, you can find a hotel nearby that place.
1: So then probably the biggest way to get into that marketplace is to almost look towards young two or three or four week old blockchain companies mm-hmm. to look where, where the whole world is looking and then be really nimble. So literally within one, two, three weeks, switch, reach out to partners in a very different way than you have probably in the past because right. um, it's all, I wouldn't, I, I'd, I'd really caution you to think in any old model that has to do with browsers, that has to do with, Uh, Mm -hmm. static websites that has to do with CRMs, I would throw that out the window and say, fine, uh, we can attach to anything, but it's about the idea, not about the software. So the second you start selling ideas, you're going to have great partnerships.
2: Right, right. And that's exactly how we built our tool. Uh, we, We actually built this portable capability and where it lives doesn't matter. So we are perfectly poised for exactly what you're talking about. We simply need to be where people discover that they need to travel. And again, we know those places and those things that uh, propel you to travel. So, you know, this has really been fun. Uh, you, You ask really, really great questions. And I love the perspective that you guys bring to the table. So thanks for inviting me to be a part of your show.
0: You're welcome, Chichi. We really enjoyed it. We love talking to people and trying to get to know them rather than get to spend all the time looking at what they are doing. We like to understand the person and understand mm-hmm. the passion behind them. One last question as we near the end of our time. You're looking for investors with passion. How do they find you and how do people learn about solutions?
2: Well, the best way to find me Personally, and to learn about all the things that I'm doing is just to go to chickyfitzgerald.com and it's chicky just with an E on the end and Fitzgerald, just like John F. Kennedy Fitzgerald. And I, I'm also looking for new team members. And, mm-hmm. you know, Kent, to your point, I'm really looking for new generation names and faces. Our initial team were all over 50 and we needed their experience and their you know the seasoned business perspective that they brought to the table but you're absolutely right now i need a chief digital officer that is young and that understands those new platforms and that understands digital marketing as well as as building out platforms and i need a chief revenue officer who can take a look at all the different kinds of channel partnerships and i'm really looking again for you know, 30s, maybe 40s, but, you know, really looking for that innovation and that passion towards solving the problem and giving back, right? Because I think that generation uh, naturally wants to give back.
1: That's neat. Yeah, I love I love that you came into the call immediately talking about empowerment and attitude, and it all stems back to your name. I, lo- I love uh, <laughs> the idea of Chickie uh, so everybody go check out Chicky Fitzgerald. It's been really great talking to you.
2: Yeah, and if you go on my LinkedIn profile, the little speaker next to it, you can actually hear the song.
1: Oh, cool. Brilliant.
2: Yeah, the speaker next to my name on LinkedIn. So we will do that. All right. Perfect, guys. Thank you so much.
0: Take care. All right. Thank Thanks you. very much. All right. Bye-bye. Been <laughs> talking. Bye-bye. It's been such a wonderful conversation today. It was surprising. It was intriguing. It was interesting. And this is just an example of the types of guests that we have on the Thought Leader podcast. And we would love you to subscribe so you get to hear the next issue. Or you can visit our our website. Our website is thoughtpartnergroup.com. And at the top, you'll see a little button that says, take the assessment. In one minute, you can take the assessment and get a response from us. We'll read everyone. All right.
1: Take care, have a good life, and we'll see you on the next one.